We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With What is going on, Pacer Nation? Pacers basketball is officially back, and joining me, as always, is my good friend, the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, what's going on, man? Alex, I'm excited as ever could be. We have a lot to discuss tonight, but you summed it up best. Pacer basketball is back. Absolutely, and we cannot do this show without our good compadre, the coach and the insider, Tyler Smith. Tyler, what's going on, man? Hey, it's good to be here. It's a great time of year. Let's get it going. Pacers basketball. All right, all right. So yesterday we finally got to the conclusion of the Domas Sabonis extension, and the Pacers did indeed uh, extend him there. So, Tyler, do you have the numbers on that extension? I believe it was $74.9 million with uh, some kickers in there over four years. Yeah, so – not really sure exactly what all the kickers are. Uh, I know there's some about basically if he's an all-star, he'll continue to get uh, more money. But definitely a good deal for him. And, you know, Fachi, were you getting a little bit nervous that this deal might not get done? I was uh, because when they said that the $72 million over four years was not looked at as a starting contract, uh, I thought, oh, man, they must be far off on this. Sabonis must be pushing for maybe 85 
uh, hopefully, hopefully not 90, but in the end, to get it done for a hair under 75 million, I think was amazing. It's essentially the same deal as Miles Turner. It won up some a little bit. The incentives were 2.6 million to make an all-star team or all NBA. So I think that it's an amazing contract for the Pacers. And what's going to be an awful free agent market next year? This is a win-win for for the Pacers and you know for Sabonis. Hey, he managed to lock up a great contract. Tyler, did the Pacers overpay for Sabonis? I don't think so. I think it's going to be a steal. Um, when I so I was at my first uh, team practice when the uh, contract took place. I didn't have my phone or anything. Had an assistant coach tell me Sabonis was extended, and when he told me that, I was thinking it was going to be like ninety, ninety-five million because of what Fachi said from the previous couple of days of what we heard. So, to me, it's going to be a steal. I cannot stress enough how big a deal this is for the Pacers, you know, not only for this year, but for the future. I mean, can you guys imagine if they would have gone into opening night having that distraction, having not signed him when, you know, chemistry is supposed to be a a strength of the team? It just would have been a mess. So win-win for both sides. Yeah, for me, you know, I was kind of in the mode of like, hey, if they don't extend him, how will he perform? Will it affect him in a good way? Will it give him a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder? Will he go out there every night trying to prove, like, hey, you guys are really missing out. You should have extended me. I'm worth this money. You know, you know, playing a little bit ticked off. I was kind of looking forward to seeing a mad Sabonis all season long. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't, I'm glad that I don't have to worry about what team's going to come in and offer him something the Pacers would not match. And then you lose the asset for nothing because at the end of the day, if this does not work out, his contract is tradable next summer. I know that this season it won't be tradable because of the poison pill effect where you have to basically you know, only trade him at 3.5, but the team that wants to acquire him has to take him on for whatever his average salary would be over the next five seasons with that extension. So, you know, to, to me it was just one of those things that I was glad it got done, but ultimately I think Sabonis' comments on Saturday when he said, now I know how the Pacers feel about me now – to me, that was probably what even made this deal have to get done more than ever before because the Pacers front office, in my opinion, did not want this to be their reputation. They did not want to have a sour relationship with one of their young guys that they believe in. And whether you believe in the Sabonis-Turner pairing or not, you, you can't let Sabonis just walk away or get a deal that you're not going to match. Mm-hmm. So uh, either one of you guys want to comment on that? Yeah, I think it would have been great to see Sabonis with a chip on his shoulder, but at the same point, there's a big difference between guys like Dion Waiters, who had the chip on his shoulder and got paid, and then what he did afterwards, and Sabonis. I think Sabonis, once he got paid, he's going to continue to work as hard as ever before. I think he's poised for a breakout season. And guys, look at some of the centers that are available next year in free agency. Outside of Andre Drummond, you're looking at Hassan Whiteside, Marcus Hall, Enos Kanter, Bismack Biombo, Robin Lopez, Tristan Thompson. I mean, Sabonis was going to command a ton of interested suitors. I think that he a lot of teams would have thrown money at him. It's amazing the Pacers were able to get this out of the way now, and I think in the end it'll be a bargain. Tyler, I think you said it best last year. I think when Miles Turner got paid, I think he was maybe like the 64th highest paid player in the league. It was pretty crazy. This contract now, after the cap's increased a little bit, it's going to look like an absolute steal. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think we have anything to worry about as far as the bonus. Uh, I think he's going to be a beast 
would have been a beast no matter what. I think that's how he plays anyway with a chip on his shoulder. Um, so now I just think for for team the team uh, team wide, I should say the chemistry um, is going to be great and everybody's going to be excited and, and ready instead of having that distraction. And and you know as was mentioned, now the Pacers, whether you believe in the pairing or not, you most fans I think agree that they deserve a shot to see if it works. And now you don't have any of that pressure. You can if you have to trade one of them later. Uh, for money purposes, or maybe if it doesn't work, then you can just choose which one brings more value because I got a very similar contract. So, really good situation. Yeah, and I guess one of the things that I wanted to bring up too is the guys that were being mentioned in you know trade rumors. I guess for Sabonis, I mean Jalen Brown has been a name that we've been hearing attached to a Sabonis trade probably since you know after the NBA Finals. I mean a lot of people are saying. This doesn't make sense. You know, the Pacers just drafted Go-Go. Why do they need three centers? You know, they could use some more depth on the wing. You know, maybe go get Jalen Brown because Boston has a glaring hole at center. And then you look at a team like Sacramento, uh, who they had to extend uh, Buddy Heald as well. And that was somebody else the Pacers, you know, relatively could have looked at to maybe do a swap with both players being in the same situation and around the same amount of money. But... If the Pacers were to move one of these players, I mean, do we really think a wing is the position they need? I mean, do we believe in T.J. Warren as a power forward uh, going forward, or, or do you think he's more of a, of a wing? I'll, I'll start with you, Fudge. I, I prefer him way more at small forward than power forward. Uh, that's just personally me. I think while a lot of that might work in Phoenix you know, at power forward, I think you're going to want more of a, a typical power forward in this offense. I like... Turner, I mean, uh, T.J. Warren playing that score small forward role rather than being like a, a stretch four type uh, uh, where I want my power forward to be a better defender, typically, and bang in the paint. Yeah, and, and I want to see a guy playing the four that can actually get a rebound. I'm not saying Warren yeah, exactly. can't, but, but I mean, if you were to look at, if a trade like that were to go down, I mean, you're talking T.J. Leaf and T.J. Warren and the four, like that's not, mm-hmm, uh, not a, a formula for uh, for winning basketball. I would love to see Warren in spurts play the stretch four in right. certain uh, certain matchups, but by no means as a starter. I mean, to me, I think they're kind of thin at the four as it is. So if you lose Sabonis, then that could have been big trouble. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly where I was going, Tyler, because I feel like Warren – you know, situationally, can play that power forward. You know, like we mentioned, Boston, they don't really have a, a strong starting five uh, power forward center combination. So they might go with Gordon Hayward at the power forward. Well, that's not going to be a very fun matchup for Sabonis. So, you know, maybe a guy that's quicker, like you could go Lamb and Warren on those two nights or on that night against that, that team, you know, with a, with a more of a wing uh, four out type of offense because that's just the way that the Celtics are built. I mean, their power forwards are like Grant Williams. You know, I don't even know who their backup is. I've got Daniel Tice. I know Thon Makers in the G League form. So, you know, like they don't have a ton of depth in their front court. So that's where it could be problematic for Sabonis and Turner. But at the same time, who's going to guard Sabonis in the post? I mean, that's kind of the thing that we're all like – just expecting and I don't know if you guys were able to hear Chad Buchanan come on JMV last night or today actually I believe it was but he mentioned he was like you know we believe in this young core we wanted to get a deal done it was a priority and he said there's going to be nights where we think that we match up well against our our opponents but there's going to be nights where it's going to be weird and I I think the Celtics are a team that it's going to be weird against but uh 
Is there anything else you guys want to say on this extension before we start doing our game preview here against the Pistons? Yeah, just to sum it up, I think that's for the Pacers, you know, they've always been a team where you want to do it. You're not going to do it through free agency. You do it through trade, the draft. They manage to keep their own. And I think that that's very important. You're building a strong culture here. And if you had Sabonis walk, it, it would have opened up the doors for other guys to say, hey, maybe Indiana's culture isn't everything that we hear about. I think this was just a perfect move by management. And um, I'm glad we got it done by the deadline. I agree. And I said the same thing last year with Turner. Uh, you got to believe in your guys and you got to, especially your young core. Uh, and now the paces are set for three, four, maybe five years of, of having a lot of guys that are, you know, the old guys are 27. So we're talking a really exciting uh, time for Pacer basketball. Awesome. Well, let's jump into that game preview then against the Detroit Pistons. And I'll start with you this time, Tyler. I know it's been a while since we've talked and I want to get your thoughts on uh, what are you looking forward to the most in this matchup here at the Pistons? I'm looking forward to being back at the field house. There's a lot of hype, I, you know, especially with that extension. There's going to be a lot of excitement Wednesday night. Uh, I, I really enjoy uh, looking at some of these numbers. You know, Pacer fans can really uh, get excited when they hear some of these numbers. The Pacers are eight and one in the last nine home openers. They are seven and one in the last eight openers. Period. Uh, Nate McMillan has won five straight as a coach, so three with the Pacers in his previous two. And the Pacers are 8-1 and one against Detroit in their last nine games at home against them. So okay. if you're a numbers guy, you're looking forward to this first game. Of course, you can throw them all out the window once the ball goes in the air. But Blake Griffin's not going to play, so we do not get to see the double big, double big matchup. But uh, for anyone, you know, Detroit fans, if they're going to cry about that, there's no Oladipo as well. But um, advantage Pacers there without Blake, and uh, I, I like – I like the matchup, especially with those numbers, with the excitement. Um, I think uh, I think Pacers will win a pretty pretty easily uh, contested game, but we'll see what happens. Thanksgiving's coming early because these Pacers are about to feast. Oh boy! Without without Blake Griffin, without Blake Griffin, I'm ready for seconds. This Pacers team is going to come to play. I think they win pretty easily. And I think that this is all for Sabonis to exploit that matchup. I think that that's going to be the big difference. I would imagine Markeith Morris fills in for Blake Griffin over there. And I think that's a matchup Sabonis can win. What, what's going on with Blake Griffin? Is he still injured? Hamstring. Always injured. Yeah, and, and the Pacers played him three times in the amount of time that Griffin's <laughs> going to be out. So yeah. one of our previous shows, I was like, this is ridiculous. So they got to play them. What if there's an injury? Well, Oladipo and Griffin are both not going to play in pretty much the entire season series of these two teams, which is pretty crazy. Wow, that's a, that's a major blow to Detroit because without Blake Griffin, I mean, they're already thin as it is, and they just cut Joe Johnson. I know he's probably more of a name than he is a presence on that bench, but uh, I, I'm kind of surprised with what the Pistons are doing with their rotation. Uh, I was doing my, uh, my preview for PacersTalk.net, and Bruce Brown and – Tony Snell are getting the, the starting positions at, at, mm-hmm. the, at the wings. But you have Luke Kennard. You've got uh, Sekou Demboya, their draft pick. You know, they've got Markeith Morris, who can play the, the small forward at times. You know, you got Derek Rose as well, another guard. Just uh, And I think Langston Galloway as well. I mean, you know, I, I kind of think that Tony Snell and Bruce, Bo- Bruce Brown are worse versions of 
the guys I have on their bench. And I, I was kind of dumbfounded by that when doing some research because it's like we've seen Tony Snell in Chicago and Milwaukee, and uh, he's not very talented. And uh, Brown is just kind of a, a defensive player. So I, maybe I get that. Maybe they're trying to get a little Tony Allen out of him. But uh, offensively, he, he's pretty abysmal. So that second unit, Focci, uh that that could that could present problems though if there's some nice guard play from that bench unit. There is, but also to make them even thinner, it's believed that uh, the rookie I still can't pronounce his name, Sekou Demboya. Sekou Demboya. Sekou Demboya. Sekou. Yeah. Sekou. 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 All right. Sekou is dealing with a concussion, so might not play in the game either, making them even thinner. So I really feel good about the Pacers' odds in this game. I think Luke Kennard should be starting. For them, because this is a, a Pistons team that struggled shooting a three-point ball last year. They were pretty horrendous when it came to shooting threes. I thought Luke Kennard is their three-point shooter, so you're going to want to get him a bit more volume. They shot below 35% as a team last year, so I wonder how they're going to improve that. But also, how are we going to leave out Derrick Rose? I mean, Derrick Rose is someone who uh, I'm excited to see more about this year than that second unit. So they're definitely not going with their best starting five for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering about Derrick Rose. Is he going to be, you know, when he comes off the bench, is he going to be guarded by Aaron Holiday, TJ McConnell? Uh, is there another guard that they're going to put on him? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how McMillan handles the, well, several several different roles, which a few days ago he was still unsure of his rotation. But yeah. opening night, you got McConnell on Rose. You go on Holiday. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I guess throughout the preseason, the, the roles that, or the, the rotation, I should say, that we saw was Sumner and Aaron Holiday with McDermott, TJ Leaf, and, and Goga when all those guys were healthy. So that's a pretty young core right there. I think McDermott's the only one that's played more than three years in the NBA. Uh, Derrick Rose last year played really well for the Timberwolves. I don't know if Aaron Holiday can hang with him defensively. You might see some Sumner on him. But then Luke Kennard also really finished the season strong last year, a great three-point shooter. You know He can probably shoot right over Holiday as well. And, and then you got veterans like Justin Holliday and McConnell who were out of the rotation uh, on on, a, on his regular basis for that second unit. So, uh, how often will these guys have to fight for minutes? You know, I think that's the biggest challenge. I mean, we know Goga's going to get his minutes in TJ Leaf, but between McConnell, Aaron Holliday, and then Justin Holliday and, and Sumner, you know, both guys bring different things to the table. I think Holiday Justin is more of a defensive-minded player than Sumner is, but Sumner still got some defensive upside as well with his length. But uh, <clears throat> as far as Holiday, Aaron, and I got to keep saying their first names because I forget that we have two. But Aaron Holiday versus T.J. McConnell. You know, T.J. McConnell is somebody that McMillan is really a fan of. But when Kevin Pritchard went on his little. Uh, Pacers Twitter, Ask Pacers Kev, whatever it was that they did on the Pacers account, he said that T.J. McConnell was their Al Jefferson. And if you go back and look at Al Jefferson's role, he was the third string center used when you know one of the guys was injured or they were in foul trouble. So it'll be interesting to see how often they use McConnell because if McMillan does that same rotation, you, you probably won't see a lot of McConnell unless there's injury problems to Brogdon or Aaron Holiday or foul trouble. Yeah. I think the starting five is the only group that you can have a somewhat of understanding of how much they're going to play. I mean, everybody in the second unit, we're not sure what's going to happen. I mean, the other day at practice, uh, McMillan was talking up Holiday, or Justin Holiday 
as a guy that can uh, defend late in games, you know, down the stretch. But he's not going to come in for the first time in the final minutes of a fourth quarter. So that would mean he would have played. So I have no idea, but I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, Fachi, are, are you concerned at all about that bench unit? Uh, I am a little bit because you wonder how deep this Pacer team is going to go off the start. I mean, even guys that you know are expected to get minutes like a TJ Leaf and Goga. I mean, those are guys who barely even played this offseason. So, you know, they obviously Goga wasn't able to play in summer league. TJ Leaf elected not to play in summer league. And TJ Leaf played two games in, in preseason. Goga played one. So it's very curious. I mean, how much of McConnell are we going to see, even if at all, in game one? Um, it, you want to give Aaron Holiday every opportunity to succeed from the start. So I, I think that he's someone I definitely expect to obviously be in there. But would Ed, Edmund Sumner be in there tomorrow? You know, I'm expecting Justin Holiday to be the first backup shooting guard off the bench uh, after Lamb, obviously, who's starting. Uh, so it, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I think that the second unit... Is ve- we're very deep on paper to start the season. I want to see how it, it develops, what the lineup looks like in a regular season game. Yeah. Well, I will say this. When I was doing some research, I was looking at Derrick Rose last year, and he averaged, I believe, it was like 18 points off the bench for Minnesota, but he posted the second-worst defensive rating of his entire career last year. So let that be known that Derrick Rose is still a poor defender. And I think mm-hmm. the Pacers will be able to attack him on the offensive end with that second unit. There's not a lot of great defenders on that on that Pistons bench. Uh, Luke Kennard is not a great defender. Uh, no. You mentioned Demboya might not be playing. So I mean Langston Galloway, he's an okay defender. Thon Maker, he's uh, undersized uh, as far as weight goes. So it'll it'll be an interesting game tomorrow. Hopefully we just you know beat the pants off of them, but. I will say this, the the matchup that I'm really most intrigued by is the Andre Drummond-Miles Turner matchup. Uh, looking at last year's series, Andre Drummond had his way with the Pacers. He averaged 21 points and 16 rebounds per game. Miles Turner averaged 13.5 points and a lousy 3.5 rebounds. I mean, uh, pretty much Drummond doubled his points and then quadrupled his rebounds plus. So, uh Turner's going to have to be a little bit more physical against Drummond, especially without Blake Griffin in this game. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, he's a problem for sure. Uh, I do think that Sabonis is going to maybe match or come close to matching Drummond's numbers. I mean, they may not be guarding each other much, but I think uh, Sabonis, would you guys agree Sabonis is going to lead the team in scoring, or do you think you got a different prediction? I think he's going to go off. Now that Blake Griffin's out, I-, I think Sabonis goes off. Initially, I was thinking Jeremy Lamb. Oh, leads no, no, the team no, 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 no! You have been saying Jeremy Lamb <laughs> that, will lead the team in scoring for the past five yeah. episodes. You cannot come off this now. Then I'll stick with it. This is the first time we yeah, announced that Blake Griffin's out. Okay, great. I'm sticking with it. Jeremy Lamb leads us in scoring tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> well, I think Tyler, you were asking more for the season, though, right? Uh, I was, I mean, I was talking more for this first game okay, yeah, and so not being as concerned if Drummond, you know, if he puts up huge numbers, I think the Pacers will still be fine. Cause I think Sabonis is going to put up similar numbers. And then I just, you know, casually threw in that, that question to you guys, if right. uh, we think Sabonis will lead the team uh, <laughs> on the opening night, especially. I'll let you change it. If you want five, you didn't know Blake Griffin. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with lamb, sticking with it. You have Jeremy to, lamb yeah. leads us. He's got 24 points tomorrow. 
That's where we're going with. It feels sacrilegious if you go against Lamb after all you've said about him this offseason. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, Sabonis did have his way last year with the Pistons. Uh, 18.7 uh, 18.75 points per game and 10.75 rebounds per game. Uh, Thaddeus Young did a great job as well last year in the rebound and scoring category against the Pistons. So uh, Blake Griffin only played in two of those four games as well. So, uh, you know, another game without Blake Griffin. The Pacers pretty much handled the Pistons without Blake Griffin. And I think the only game that uh, the one game that he did play in Bankers Life Fieldhouse, they won. It was like December 26th or something like that, and they won by like 30 points uh, the day after Christmas. I'm sure you guys remember that one. Uh, we always seem to have that home game after Christmas that fans always tend to go to. It was a great game. And then the only game the Pistons beat us last year was with Blake Griffin. And, uh, you know, I think he went out with an injury in that game as well. So, yeah, it's just uh, – it's it's just one of those things where this game without Blake Griffin makes it so much more uh, of a must win in a sense. You know, uh, there's no way the Pacers can lose this game. Uh, absolutely, absolutely have to win this game. And we touched on the, the key matchup tomorrow is going to be that rebounding battle, Miles Turner and Andre Drummond. I expect Sabonis to to have you know definitely a double double. But to make it even more real, when you were talking about those numbers before, Drummond had 64 rebounds against the Pacers last year. Miles Turner had 18 total. So it's yeah. just a huge disparity. I would love to be able to see if we can get Miles Turner to get like 15 and 8 tomorrow. I mean, that would be awesome. If we could even get a double double, that would be amazing. But I, I think that the key is going to be keeping Drummond off the glass. The second chance opportunities, I think, is the only way the Pistons really have a chance in this battle. I do think Derrick Rose is going to be nice off the bench. But, hey, I think the Pacers, what they want to do, fix rebounding with Sabonis and Turner in the lineup. And I think they're going to do that on opening night. Yeah, do you have anything else to add to that, Tyler? I agree with Fachi. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not Simply to agree put. with Fachi. He's so, uh, he's so motivating. But uh, the, the last matchup that I really want to look at here is uh, well, I guess there's two things I want to look at. I forgot about one of them, uh, but one of them I highlighted was T.J. Warren, um, how he looks defensively. I know that that's been something Pacer fans have wanted to see him improve in. We know Bojan became a, a good defender here with the Pacers, and now that Bojan has left, you know, everyone praises him for his defense, and it's like, you know, before he got to Indiana, he was not a good defender. And this is a great matchup for T.J. Warren to kind of just get himself – acclimated with the way Dan Burke wants to run this defense. We mentioned Tony Snell and uh, and Brown, or Brown Jr. are the two guys that are starting here for the Pistons. Both guys will not present challenges, really, for uh, T.J. Warren. But I do think that, you know, Tony Snell is a decent enough shooter that you can't leave him open. So one of the problems that T.J. Warren had in Phoenix was he would like to ball watch when he was playing defense, and he was not guarding somebody man-to-man. He was kind of... You know, playing off ball while the offense is running through a different rotation, which you would probably expect it to be Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond running the pick and roll. But, you know, if, if, if Warren's watching that and loses track of Tony Snell coming off a screen or something, you know, that's where he could get beat. And I think we might see that throughout the season. But I think this is a perfect matchup for him to just kind of get himself acclimated with that defense. Uh, is that something you're looking forward to watching too, uh, Tyler? Absolutely, especially when. You know, something like that gets highlighted so much. 
you know that he sees it. You know that he's being asked about it. And he his comment the other day about you know the Suns are going to see that they messed up, and the rest of the NBA is going to see they messed up. Uh, that includes a defensive end. So he he wants to get buckets, and he can get buckets with the best of them. But um, I think he's motivated, and and you know we may see a few of those moments of some lackadaisical plays, and you know McMillan and Burke will get on him a little bit. But steady improvement, little by little, will help this team quite a bit. Exactly. He's not going to just become a, a great defender overnight. I mean, he may never even become a great defender, but he can become a better defender. And I think that this is a, a great opportunity to be able to shut down a guy like Tony Snell. I mean, that's it, it's a good first step on the season. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I want to be able to get him in flow because, you know, he's not going to get as many shots as previously before. So it is going to be interesting to see how many shots he truly gets. I do think he'll be a go-to scorer at a lot of times, but maybe not all the time. And I don't want him to be a go-to scorer all the time. So perfect, great matchup for him to start. But, Alex, like I mentioned, let's shoot the three ball a bit more. In the preseason, <laughs> yeah. in the preseason, we took five more attempts per game compared to last year. I think that this will be the first real test to see if the Pacers do have those intentions. And I think it's a great game to be aggressive and shoot more threes. Yeah, I, I think you don't want T.J. Warren to lead the team in scoring because you're afraid that my uh, Pacers fantasy team might be a little bit better than yours. Uh, well, that could be a possibility. We'll see, though. I'm not worried about my squad. Well, I, I want to talk about your uh, number two pick on your fantasy team, and that's Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, uh, Chad Buchanan said that they wanted Malcolm to come to Indianapolis and uh, take on a bigger role in the offensive department. You know, they said that he deferred quite a bit last year to Giannis with the Bucks, and they think he's a great shooter, great defender, great facilitator. They want to see him take a bigger role offensively. I don't necessarily think he's going to be the first or second option for this team, but I do think that he's going to be someone that, you know, is able to get things going and, and get these guys involved, whether it be Sabonis in the pick and roll, whether it be TJ Warren coming off a pin down, whether it be Turner in the pick and pop, whomever it may be. But, you know, in this matchup, he's going up against Reggie Jackson, probably one of the most mediocre starting point guards in the NBA. Um, a good matchup for him, but... Fachi, you know, does Reggie Jackson being the Pistons' best guard cause any problems for the Pacers going forward, or for this game, I should mean? I mean, I, I think that Reggie Jackson, just as you mentioned, he is a very bland-like point guard in the league. I mean, there's no other – how else would you describe Reggie Jackson? He's like the epitome of like, yeah, he's above-average point guard, where I, I think that this is an opportunity where Brogdon – I think Brogdon finishes at about 15-9, and nine, maybe 16-9. and nine. Not an explosive game, but what's evident is the ball movement. I mean, you'd almost be asking, did this guy get contacts coming into the season? Because he's got better vision now. They're going to see it all year, and I'm excited for it. Brogdon, I think a quiet but very effective game. Fachi, <laughs> kill me, man. Tyler. I just had an idea for new business. It's like the hallmark of sports sayings, and Fachi is the CEO. <laughs> I like it. It's such a good joke. It almost went over the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Fachi, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for Brogdon. I think he is going to, if there's one statistic that I am completely sure of uh, as far as a prediction, it's that Brogdon is going to obliterate his assist totals from last year. What was he, like 3.6 assists a game? I mean, and obviously he had 14 assists in the preseason opener in India. 
uh, I think he's going to possibly even double it. I mean, he's going to have a lot of weapons here. He's coming here with that leadership mentality. How do you guys like Dan Burke's comment that Brogdon is the best leader that he that Burke has seen since Reggie Miller in the last oh, 20 wow. years? When did he say that? Yeah. He said that a couple weeks ago. I was just floored by it. He was talking about being vocal in practice, and he said he wants to win every drill. He gets guys in the right spot. Um, he's encouraging. He's like, I've not seen it since Reggie Miller. Wow, Amazing. that that is high praise uh, from Dan Burke. You know, that me and Foxy just talked about it last week. You know, uh, that GM survey, he was voted the number one assistant in the entire NBA. So that is high praise. Burke's been with the Pacers since how long now? Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it's like. It's been like 2000, 2000. Was it, well, it was with Larry Bird, wasn't it? Yeah, so, I think so. Well, I know well, so, Dick. No, he took over for Dick Harder, didn't he? All I know is it's it's been about uh, twenty years. Yeah, it's. I, in the yeah, 20- I figured it was roughly twenty. Couldn't yeah, couldn't take it to an range. exact year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's seen a lot of players. I mean, you talk about those defensive teams that we had with uh, Jermaine and Ron Artest and Stephen Jackson and that group. You know, they didn't let anybody score. So that's that is definitely high praise and. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, it's just, I'm so excited about this player. He's so, like, well-spoken. He's a great leader. And and honestly, like, you almost kind of forget about him in a sense because he's just so quiet. He doesn't have social media. Uh, Just just somebody that you're like, oh, yeah, we got Malcolm Brogdon. But uh, I don't know if you guys have listened to very many, like, previews, but I've heard quite a bit of different NBA season previews, and and they tend to be down on the Pacers and, have the Pacers missing the playoffs in some of these previews? And I know we mentioned Zach Lowe's comments about the Pacers missing, uh, missing the playoffs last week, but I've even been hearing more and more teams worried or people worried about this team. And, you know, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what to think, but there's a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference I feel like are much worse than the Pacers. So, Tyler, uh, just real quick to kind of wrap this up, what are your thoughts on people being so pessimistic about this Pacers Pacers team right now? It's typical. Uh, it happens. Seems like every year. I feel like there's been a split out of all the things that I've kind of looked at the last couple of weeks. It's like half the people are just forgetting about them, and maybe they're a seven seed or maybe missed the playoffs. But I have seen a fair number over the past week, and I don't have a ton of references. I didn't write them down, but I, I've seen a fair number of them uh, give them a little credit. I've seen a couple people even as high as third in the East. I've seen several fourth and fifth. So I was a little surprised because I was honestly trying to work on a story to, you know, ha- have all these horrible predictions, and I was not finding as many as maybe the past couple of years. So, yeah, um, I, I personally, my personal opinion is I think they're going to finish as the four seed and approach fifty wins, but I could be way off. It's a hard, kind of a hard team to predict compared to last last season, but um, that's kind of the the range that I have them in. Fachi. Uh- I completely agree with Tyler. I think I have us at about 50 wins in the fourth seed, but I'm seeing just as what you're seeing. People either really like us at three, like I saw Steven Jackson just had us ranked as three uh, when he came out of his predictions, but then there's a lot of teams that just don't have us making the playoffs. I don't understand how there could be that big of a disparity. I think it's kind of those people who aren't necessarily watching the Pacers, so they just see no Oladipo, oh, they're in trouble. But that's what happens when you're not on national television as much as some of the other teams. Uh, I think that they're completely sleeping on the Pacers. And to tell you the truth, would you want it any other way? I don't think that the Pacers are the type of team that you want to have ridiculously high expectations where they start 
you know, pointing the finger at each other. Fine. Let us be slept on. We'll be just fine because we're getting home court in the first round. And we're getting out of the first round this year. <laughs> you can guarantee it. I'll guarantee it. <laughs> I love the I love the passion, Fudge. Uh, I'll never forget when we talked with Kevin Serafin and he was like, yeah, I like this guy. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> yeah. Fudge with his passion. He was like, you, you got the positive vibes going. <laughs> so <laughs> That was great. But, hey, uh, shout out to Serafin. Absolutely. But so, yeah, I, I think one of the things that's most shocking to me is uh, most of these people are picking uh, Philadelphia to end up beating Milwaukee. And, and most of their arguments when they talk about why they think that Philadelphia is going to be better than Milwaukee is because they don't have Malcolm Brogdon and how big of a loss that is and how much he meant to this team. He was the second best player on the Bucks last year and, you know, such high praise for Brogdon. Then you get to the paces and they're like, well, without Oladipo, you know, you can't expect Malcolm Brogdon to do that much. And they're just kind of like contradicting what they're saying because it's like if Malcolm Brogdon was this good on the best best team in the Eastern Conference last year and, and now he's on the Pacers and the Pacers, yes, they have gotten younger. But, but to me, it's like a lot of them are like, well, they lost Bogdanovich. He was a lockdown defender and a great scorer. It's like. Look, I like Bojan Bogdanovic, but please, let's not overhype what he really was because somebody had to take over the leading scoring role with Oladipo out. I mean, who else was going to do it? But you saw what you know Bogdanovic did in that Celtics series. He was he was okay. He he was you know a good scorer. Don't get me wrong, but he's a third or fourth option on a really good basketball team. I mean, I, I love Bogdanovic, but people have got to realize like if you're looking at building a team. Which player would you rather have? Would you rather have Malcolm Brogdon or Bojan Bogdanovic? I think most people would lean towards Malcolm Brogdon. And then you look at, okay, would you rather have Thaddeus Young or Jeremy Lamb and T.J. Warren? I think most people would pick T.J. Warren and Jeremy Lamb. So to me, it's kind of like the pieces that they brought in, yes, it might change some of the chemistry of this team, but the way people are acting and overreacting about the the losses of the players that we have compared to the guys we brought in, it just seems a little bit unfair to me because, you know, T.J. Warren was in a bad spot. Jeremy Lamb has gotten better, and they're both on really good contracts, and you didn't overpay for him. Uh, you know, who would want to overpay for Ricky Rubio and, you know, overpaying for Bojan? Uh, even though we like Bojan, overpaying for someone that's going to be in their 30s and, you know, mid-30s is just not something you really want to invest in with, the you know, this – core of Oladipo Sabonis and Turner being so young. Yeah. Look, the, the truth is nine new faces on this team, four new starters, but the faces that we brought in are all positives who you feel that the best is yet to come on a lot of those players. We, we made the team better. While there is you know maybe too many new faces coming in, it's all talented younger players to get this team to the next level. Uh, guys like Thad Young, Boyan, thank you very much for everything that you did for the Pacers. We, you know, we're very appreciative of that. But I think the Pacers made the proper moves moving on when they did. Absolutely. If we were going into uh, opening night tomorrow night with an off season of just say they re-signed Bogey and signed Rubio, I mean, we wouldn't even be that excited. <laughs> I mean, we'd no. be excited the Pacers were back, but we wouldn't have that kind of long term um, optimism. And a lot of people have told me that, well, the Pacers had this chemistry and now they they don't have it moving forward, but they've built a team this summer that now will have that chemistry and will have that longevity growing together. I mean, they had seven free agents, I believe, going into the summer. That's really difficult. A lot of guys were getting up there in age. 
Now you've got a young core, good group of guys. I think they did his best. Pritchard did his best job he, he could have possibly done given the circumstances. Well, and if you look back two years ago when they traded Paul George and got Oladipo and Zabonis, everybody said the same thing. They, they said this team has way too many pieces. They can't develop the chemistry. And the last two seasons, they've won 48 games. So at the end of the day, you know, the Pacers, for what it's worth, they're a great regular season team. With McMillan taking over, they've beaten the teams they should beat. Uh, you know, they've lost to the teams that have probably been better than them on most occasions. But, yes, they've had significant wins against teams that are on paper better than them or people pro- project as a better team than them. So, yeah, I mean, to me it's like McMillan preaches defense. These guys are going to buy in. Yeah, even if Sabonis does struggle somewhat with, you know, mobile fours or whatever, you're still having Turner protecting the rim. It's not like Turner's rim protection is going away. Uh, you know, getting Oladipo back is ob- obviously huge. It takes us from a good team to, you know, a, a really competitive playoff team. And, you know, we're not expecting Oladipo to come back and be superstar Oladipo probably not until the playoffs this year. I mean, even if that point, it's going to be asking a lot. We talked about this a little bit last week, so I don't want to keep repeating myself. But, you know, I, I just want to see this team grow, and I feel like the, you know – worrisome pessimism about this team is it's just kind of nonsense to me i mean i kind of get it but at the same time it's like a little overkill for those that are being pessimistic but uh was there anything else you guys wanted to say uh, about this pistons game do you guys want to give your uh score predictions yeah uh i'll go with uh maybe 116 103 pacers tyler I was thinking something like 112 to 101, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, I think I had like 113 to 101 before I knew Blake Griffin was out. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna keep it at 113, but I'm going to say 113 to 97. Big Pacers win. Uh, it's probably going to feel a lot like the breakout game for Miles Turner when he had 30 and 16 against the Mavericks. I kind of expect the same thing here for this for this game and I think the breakout star is going to be the one and only Domas Sabonis uh, getting 25 points and 13 rebounds that's my player of the game prediction uh, Fachi you mentioned you think Jeremy Lamb is going to lead the team in scoring but uh, who's going to be your player of the game uh, I think Sabonis could be the player of the game due to the rebounding I, I expect him to have you know definitely a double double I could see 22 and 12 Something like that. Uh, but I'm going to stick to my guts on my Jeremy, Jeremy Lamb prediction and just say he leads us in scoring, but Sabonis is a player of the game. Tyler? Got to go with Sabonis. I was also wondering uh, tomorrow night at the pregame introductions, who gets the loudest cheer? Is it Sabonis with the contract, or is it Brogdon, the big free agent signing? What do you guys think? Who gets the biggest cheer? Have you, have you been to a preseason home game yet? I didn't go to those games, uh, okay. but – I was They're at the Bulls game. The- I was at the Bulls game, and I and I'm pretty sure Sabonis got the loudest cheer out of the five, uh, but that was obviously a smaller crowd. Um, yeah. it's kind of funny. I would expect it to be Turner, uh, you know, being the longest tenured Pacer, but he wasn't even introduced last. Malcolm Brogdon was introduced last. So, uh, but Brogdon, uh, it annoys me. I, I know Tony East has pointed this out too on Twitter, but. He runs out, and he's already in the huddle before they announce his name, and I can't stand when players do that when they run before their name's called. Uh, well, Bogey did it all the time. Actually, Carlson uh, did it some, sometimes, too. 
<laughs> it, it drove me crazy. I, I always watch it. I'm like, ah, just just go in your name's called. But uh, yeah, let's just let's, let's just stick with Sabonis. I think fans are going to be hyped about the extension. I'm going Sabonis. You got to got to reward the man. He just signed the extension. Give him the loudest cheer. He he is a fan favorite. I think people really like his game. So is is that all for the show? Do you guys want to uh, talk about anything else? Or are we good? Good to go. Let's get this win. Only thing that's on my mind is these three teams as far as the standings. Toronto, Brooklyn, Miami. The Pacers need to watch those games. Pacer fans need to watch those teams and see what they have because if Indiana wants a chance to have home court, those are the teams that got to stave off this year, in my opinion. Absolutely. So you guys can follow us on Twitter at setting the pace three on Instagram at setting underscore under the underscore pace. A lot of underscores in there. Uh, Tyler Smith is Tyler Smith underscore ISL. It's underscore Fachi. And then I am no underscores and I'm just Alex golden NBA. So until next week, we'll talk to you later. Peace out. Pacer nation. Let's go Pacers. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.